Welcome back to Women of Baby Polly. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell McLean. And I'm her spicy as ever co-host, Kathleen Smith, aka Kiki Planet. Oh, Deirdre. It's an ex- what a week. It is. I know. I know what a week, but I'm super excited to have this particular conversation because there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of news media. There's there's been a lot of things that have been talking about basically women in the political field, women mm-hmm. in the political realm, um, and women who are on the sidelines of it, but tasked with actually telling everyone else what's going yeah. on. Right? Women in public spaces are having a, a really, really bad week. It's bad for all of us, but it's especially hellish for the women who um, are being victimized. Thankfully, they're sharing their stories, and we're going to talk more about that uh, because they'll share it, those stories do need to be shared, and people need to understand the seriousness of what's happening right now. But yeah, it's it's been a rough week for uh, women we agree with, women we don't agree with, women uh, across the political spectrum. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And joining us today to help round out our conversation is Dr. Angela Grace. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we, we kind of started this overarching theme of, you know, can you be political without being partisan. And I think that a lot of the partisanship is what's coming into a lot of the problems that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And one of the ones that, I mean, we don't, we probably won't spend too much time on this one, but uh, the Finnish prime minister, uh, Santa Marin and uh, Politico Europe, because the way that they framed this particular subject was so perfect for me. And they said, breaking, Finnish Prime Minister Santa Marin has tested negative in a drug test she took after leaked videos showed her having fun with friends. Like just, (laughs) (laughs) this is exactly what this was, but this is what it came down to. A scandal from nothing. Yes. And it was actually the absence of alcohol in the video that caused people to insist, oh, she must be doing drugs. Mm. Who could be having leave. that much fun <laughs> without the booze? Yeah, right. Or the drugs? Yeah, seriously. I, I'm, I'm still sort of uh, reeling. I'm reeling from uh, that one. And again, this isn't and because we're discussing, you know, being political without being partisan. This wasn't even necessarily a right wing attack or a left wing attack. This was just a misogynistic attack, mm-hmm. and it came from every stop on the political spectrum because this is what we do to women in public spaces now, yeah. and this, we all do it. Yeah, and it and it is it's harder on women than it is on men, and it is some of those expectations that we have that yeah that women act a certain way, be a certain way. And when they don't, it seems to make everyone super uncomfortable. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to, right? It's, it's, it's yes. this projection of I'm uncomfortable seeing the PM having fun. I'm uncomfortable seeing, you know, this person decide to run for politics. I'm un- like, it, it makes, it's making the public uncomfortable. Why that is. Well, a lot of it's about, you said the word projection. A lot of it is about people who who project that misery onto whatever target they can find. And women in politics and women in journalism, especially lately, are the easy targets. You know, and part of that too is it's not just projection. It's also, I find it's also kind of a wishing that, people had that freedom to do it for themselves. So if they yeah. don't have that freedom, then they're going to target others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, like, let's, like, let's think about the movie Footloose, right? Like it became a target about dancing when actually it was about religion. It was about um, fear for what the children were going to be doing instead of how do we support this in a healthy way rather than we have to shut this down. Oh, and I think to the... Uh... You know, the women who are being attacked in journalism and 
I, I kind of now wonder if I, if I use that lens that you just gave, Angela, and I say these attacks that are coming from, I'm guessing men that don't have a platform, but believe mm-hmm. that they should have one and she shouldn't, whoever she might be. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a, you know, a direct attack on, on yeah. that. Yeah, and we've been seeing that grow more and more. I mean, this latest round of attacks on uh, women journalists is uh, it's over the top and appalling and disgusting and every bad descriptor we can think of. But we've been seeing the attacks on journalism for several years now. Mm-hmm. There exists um, factions on on both sides. And yes, I'm doing a both sides. <laughs> I'm doing a both sidesism because it actually does apply here. There are factions on both sides who expect things from journalists that are not a journalist's job. It is not the reporter's job to fact check what uh, an elected official or a UCP candidate says. That is not their job. Their job is to report what, what is said. said that is why mm-hmm. we call them reporters mm-hmm. when a reporter shares what an elected person or a, a person in a public position has said we need to know that information all of us need that information and when the reporters then attacked and accused of platforming horrible people. Reporters aren't platforming the premier, okay? The premier <laughs> already has a platform. Mm-hmm. All of the UCP leadership candidates already have a platform. Leslin Lewis out in, in Ottawa already has a platform. Reporters are making sure we know what these people stand for. We know their positions on specific policies. We know the words that come out of their mouths. If, if we're going to silence reporters now, if we're going to shut down reporting because we don't like what the reporters are telling us that someone else has said, we're in a shitload of trouble. We are in big trouble because that's not about fact checking. That's about being so isolated in, in, in your echo chamber, in your partisanship, in your bias, that you howl for truth while refusing to hear truth. That's where we're at. Boom, Kathleen. Mic but drop. we're not ending yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me edit that and push it all the way to the end. I'm... Well, I'm I'm raging. I've been raging now for about two or three days. I've been trying to stay off social media a bit because I'm no, I'm just going to say shit that gets me in trouble. That's what I do. That's, that's my aesthetic. Say something that'll get me beat up online. And it's something that, you know, pushes people away from not only, uh, you know, really being part of the political landscape, but also even to some extent, you know, even observing it and even having, you know, trying to use your voice outside, well, outside of your own damn head. Yeah. Because yeah. putting your commentary out there. Um, putting your commentary out there should not make you a target. Right. Yeah. I mean, this makes sense. This this makes a lot of sense that that we should be able to do this and that we should expect that other women can do it as well but i've i've said this before with the newsletter that when i go you know when i have my own topics that i'm looking at and i try and find it uh, you know i try and find something that in particular a woman has said about this topic i have been extremely frustrated going through you know a twitter search and i'm not seeing it i'm not seeing any yeah. women commenting on it and it's it makes me sad Right. It makes me sad because why are women not commenting on this? I've actually written tweets to include in the newsletter because I couldn't find any women who've said something about it, which I I find kind of mind blowing. I think for those of us who uh, have suffered the online abuse and I've been very open about the abuse I've had online, especially Mm -hmm. from 2012 to about 2015 
every day was death threat emails. Every day was DMs uh, threatening me, my husband, my kids, our home. I had to go to the police on several occasions. It was constant. And back then it was a rare thing too. So Mm -hmm. back in 2012, when it was happening to me, it was sort of um, behavior that was reserved for the worst of us, I suppose. And the attacks I I received were so constant, so bad that Paula Simons, who was then a, a journalist, a columnist for the Edmonton Journal, she did a whole column about what I had been subjected to. Well, now if we were doing columns... Every time a woman was subjected mm-hmm. to abuse online, that is all that we, we would see. That's all that would be in our feeds every day is a, another woman abused online. And I haven't actually, like, I'll admit it, it's been very rare for me. And, you know, I do notice that it's, in a way, it's grown a little bit. So I guess it's as the following gets gets bigger than then I guess that's where they come from um but I, but also I see you to... attacked by progressives Deirdre <laughs> well I do and it's upsetting <laughs> to me I've seen some of the most misogynistic things said about you by people who self-identify as progressives and feminists and, and feminists <laughs> yeah. and they've they've mm-hmm. said it about me and I see it show up in the feed but I'm I'm an equal opportunity blocker. I, and I have I have skin like an alligator handbag. So if they want to come after me, come after me. Show your true colors. Show yeah. who you are. But when I see them go after you and and they're attacking you mostly because you won't side with the party. Yeah. I, that's that's yeah. what I find the most shocking. If you dare to express an opinion that isn't just a repeat of some party's policy, you're going to get called, I don't know, well, you're going to get called and I'm I'm not going <laughs> to use the specific things I've seen said about you over the last week because I don't want to give those people the gratification of knowing that we've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know? I haven't. I'm going to throw that out there. <laughs> Good. Then all the more reason for me not to say it out loud. Do We're moving know? right along. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say, um, I believe her name is Diane Terrian. The Yes. yes. The mayor I, of Peterborough. The mayor. You know, I was so impressed by her saying, you're not angry at me. You're not angry at my staff. You're angry at me. Here's my phone number. Oh, she right. put it out there for Twitter. And then she, so of course I, of course I texted her. I'm like, you're brilliant. And I love you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Buy in the t-shirt, by the way. Did you see those t-shirts for sale? Yes, I did. Oh yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's happening. But, but then, then one of her later tweets was saying, you know, most of the, most of the messages she has received have been supportive and not one of the people who were critiquing her actually reached out so it's like hot air for each other well and it's it's not actually for the person it's also traceable at that point too yeah right yeah right which is part of what made it so smart anonymous and and you think you can block your caller id and you can you can block your caller id from the person on the end seeing it but you're not going to block it from the cops The cops are still going to be able to find you. And I think most people know that. And so they're cowards. Like when they have the opportunity to address uh, the good mayor personally for her comments, they won't do it because they are cowards. It is cowardly and it's hiding behind anonymity. Yes, it is. And it's uh, again, it's not something that is confined to one group or one party or one ideology. No, it's not. It's everywhere. The anonymous trolls are on, again, they're at every stop on the political spectrum. The anonymous trolls are abusive, regardless of whether they're NDP or UCP or CPC or liberals. It doesn't matter. The abuse comes from all of them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that too many of us won't accept that 
it's always, it's not our team. It must be an agent of chaos. <laughs> it's someone from the conservatives pretending to be a progressive. It's actually Antifa that was at the insurrection causing all the trouble. We won't even own our our own bad players. And then we wonder why nothing changes. We don't call out our own bad actors. We make excuses for them. And we wonder why it keeps getting worse. Oh, but when a woman calls out a bad male actor, then they get kicked out of caucus. Yeah. Right? That's very true. Just the ferns are just being <laughs> Oh, it's going to be fun. Well, it's been, it's, been, um, it's been a hot mess of a week, I think, for women in public spaces all over North America. So if the three of us are feeling pretty passionate about it, a little ragey about it, we have every right and every reason. And so that kind of brings us to, I, I don't know how else to say it other than we're going to tell stories. And <laughs> we're going to start off with Angela's story because, well, because it fits right in with you know, can you be political? Can you engage in politics without being partisan? And you almost found out that the answer was no. Yes, so, exactly. Tell us. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start by saying um, in grade nine. So I was in grade nine, and we took a career test, a career aptitude test, mm-hmm. and it came out that I should be a um, a physiotherapist, or a private investigator, or a politician. <laughs> Wow. And so I, I laughed at that because I had no, I mean, I did want to be a physiotherapist, but um, I couldn't pass physics. So that <laughs> never happened. Um, so I chose to be a teacher and it never, never occurred to me to be a private investigator or a politician. However, I, I apparently do both of those in my life now. Um, so I never once set out to be in a political sphere, but when Adriana Lagrange put out the um, the 2021 draft curriculum. I I had to step in because I had worked on the previous draft and using my expertise. So I'm a psychologist and a teacher, and my expertise is in comprehensive school health. So I reviewed the previous draft from that perspective, um, made some made some recommendations and some evidence-based best practices and and thought I was done. And then when Jason Kenney announced that he was going to shred the draft, I got worried. And then when he took the word public out of schools, I got very worried. And then, so that fall, so it would have been October, 2019. Yes, October, 2019. I met with my MLA, Jason Copping, to talk about the curriculum. And I said, I understand that you guys are doing a review. I don't understand what you mean by NDP content. And he said, oh, there was NDP content in the social studies draft. And I said, show me. Like, I don't understand because I was there. I I saw it. And he's like, well, they're reviewing it. So I said, well, my area is comprehensive school health. And I did work on the previous draft. I'd love to offer my expertise to be a part of the review process and to keep working on it. This is really important. So he said he'd put my name forward. He asked for my CV and then he never did. And I waited and I waited and I waited and I waited. In the meantime, I was seeing things happen with parks. And so I, we, we put a lawn sign up to protect our parks. And then I saw things happening with healthcare. So we put up a lawn sign about, about healthcare. And then the curriculum came along and I read it and I cried. Like I was just appalled by what I was seeing. It had completely ripped apart everything that I knew about comprehensive school health, everything I knew from being an elementary teacher. And I just, I knew I could not just sit back. So I spent 50 hours in three days. My poor, poor husband heard me typing and crying at three in the morning because I had to get everything out there. So I wrote up. Uh, it's a standard thing around here. So I feel writing, yeah. writing My, and crying. Yeah. yeah. In the, the middle of the night. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot. Um, so I did the politically correct thing as I wrote this review and I sent it to the minister of education and my MLA. And I thought I'm going to, I'm going to send it to the ATA as well. So I did. 
And then I contacted some colleagues and was like, you've got to look at this. This is really serious. And I thought I'd done my due diligence. I submitted my, my expert opinion. Well, then Dr. Carla Peck got a hold of me and said, Angela, would you be interested in being on the, um, on the steering committee for a website we're doing, the Alberta Academic Analysis, so the Alberta Curriculum Analysis website? And I said, sure. And I said, but Carla, I'm not associated with the university because I'm in private practice and I'm a sessional instructor. I said, if you need me to step back, I'll step back. And she said, no, no, we want, we want your expertise here. And then I saw review after review after review come in, and I just couldn't believe how appalling this curriculum was from all, from all angles. Um, so I wrote my first op-ed, and it was no means no, the Alberta, about the Alberta curriculum. And fortunately, I, you know, I met some great colleagues through the Alberta curriculum analysis who ripped apart my op-ed and said it was not nearly snarky enough. <laughs> <laughs> But I was being too politically correct and too nice, and I needed to let it fly. So I think that actually Dr. Marin Ackerman gave me permission to start being politically snarky. So I will credit her for that. Well, and then I saw more attacks on teachers, and like I was just astounded that we weren't being heard. Like I was just astounded. And so at the middle of August, um, the raging grannies, and some parents in Calgary reached out to me and said, I think we need to have a protest about the curriculum at the legislature. And so we talked about it. And I realized that they understood like this much, and I'm holding up fingers with like a millimeter space between them. They understood this much of what the issues were with the draft. Right. And I understood a lot. So I said, you know what, let me get the speakers. So I ended up coordinating my first ever provincial rally, which I never once in my life did I anticipate doing that? <laughs> doing that like ever. Um, so we did the rally and then of course there were newspaper articles and stuff about it. And, and then I got to be on the Forgotten Corner podcast and then Nate Pike had me on the breakdown and I, it just kind of started to take on a life of its own. And then I was invited to another rally in December um, last year. And I made a smart ass comment because you'll find out I'm kind of a smart ass. Um, I made a smart ass comment that if this curriculum isn't stopped by the spring, then we need a rally on April 1st because this is an effing joke. Well, guess who then coordinated <laughs> an entire provincial rally protest in. So I worked with Dr. Carla Peck in Edmonton and some volunteers in Lethbridge and Red Deer and Grand Prairie and Calgary. And we had this, and Medicine Hat, so we had this literally provincial protest about a quality curriculum. Mm -hmm. And one of the interesting things is the initial rally I did, we said it has to be nonpartisan. So we have to invite all the parties to the table. Mm -hmm. So tiny little interesting story there. I did not know that Alberta had a communist party. <laughs> oh yeah I didn't know that but at the rally right before the, the rally began this lovely woman Naomi was her name came up to me and said you need to let me speak and I was like who are you <laughs> I'm with the communist party and you said this is nonpartisan. I'm like okay uh, well you've got two minutes and I was scared because I'm yeah. like I don't know what's going to happen but she was lovely she was absolutely lovely so we had and of course, the only the only party that didn't show up to speak was the UCP. So then when we did the, the rally in on April 2nd, we chose April 2nd because it was a Saturday instead of April 1st. Um, we decided very clearly that this was grassroots, nonpartisan, and no political parties would be speaking. That's always the best move. Yep. They well, don't but need all or to, nothing, right? Well, yep. that and too often they show up and they use it to pander to their own bases. They're not really there for uh, what we need them to be there for. They're there for the exposure. They're yep. there to reach exactly. people. They're there to look like they're standing on the right side. And it, it's never about the cause it is or about the movement it's about uh their own political aspirations and goals yep 
And, and so it was, it was nonpartisan. And I did say, it is clear that the UCP is not listening. It is clear that the NDP have already said that they're going to stop the curriculum within a hundred days. That's fine. And in the meantime, I had seen some other things. Like I got, I got really worried about, because I grew up in rural Alberta. I got really worried when I saw what this curriculum would do for rural Albertans, what cuts to education were going to do. Like I just saw the things that could happen in rural Alberta and my heart broke. So I wrote another op-ed. Um, actually, no, that was a letter to the editor and I actually submitted it to 25 rural newspapers and 19 of them published it. That's pretty good. That actually. Actually. I remember that's pretty good numbers. <laughs> yeah. And then I just thought, you know what? Like I was feeling literally at the end of my rope. I'm like, I've done all the politically correct, correct things. This curriculum is still not stopped. The junior senior high curriculum is just waiting behind closed doors to be released. And I just, I was like, I need to do something and I don't know what else to do. And then I went to a healthcare rally because of course I'm involved in healthcare as well. And one of the, one of the NDP candidates said to me, Angela, when are you running? And I'm like, what are you talking? I said, I remember laughing. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, no, I follow your stuff on education and you should run. And actually Sarah Hoffman had asked me the summer before we, I'd seen her at an event and she said, I think you should consider running. And I said, no, Sarah, I need to be nonpartisan about this curriculum. So here's where I was political. Like I was nonpartisan and political, but at that healthcare rally, and especially because I'd heard Adriana LaGrange say, the curriculum is now law, get used to it. Like something inside me broke and I knew there was nowhere else I could go with my advocacy. So I did, I put my name in to run for the NDP. And I said, I'm passionate about education. I'm passionate about healthcare. Um, you've seen the work I can do. I've got 40,000 Albertans on the Albertans Reject the Curriculum Facebook group. I've done provincial rallies. Like I'm doing this work already. I feel like I need to become partisan to promote a nonpartisan curriculum. And so I put my name in and I, I went through the vetting process. And when I had my interview, um, I was actually really surprised. It wasn't even, it wasn't even an interview. It was Angela, why do you want to run for the NDP? So I, you know, gave my spiel and they said, we're going to get right into your social media. And I was thinking, what other than tweeting effing birds memes at Jason Kenny and Adriana LaGrange, <laughs> what, what is on my social media? By the way, if you don't know effing birds, you need to know. Effing birds. birds is wonderful. Awesome. Highly birds. recommend. Amazing. So I'd taken them all off and, and some of my sweary tweets, I'd taken them off too. And I was like, what in my social media is a problem? And he said, we're really concerned about these pictures. Tell me about this picture. And I was like, what picture? So he brought up a picture of me dancing. And I am a professional dancer. I've been in belly dance and fusion, tribal fusion for years. And he brought up a picture of me dancing at Mount Royal Theater. And he said, this is cultural appropriation. And I said, what? <laughs> I was stunned. I was like, what are you talking about? He says, well, why do you have feathers in your hair? I said, because I was a bird. Like <laughs> we were like we were, our performance was wolves and birds from the jungle book. Our costume hair and makeup designer was Natie. And she put feathers in our hair and stripes on our faces to represent birds and wolves. And he says, well, the UCP is going to take that. They're going to use it against you and you're going to be a target and it's going to derail our campaign. And I was like, the UCP, uh, but that there, there's such a mm. ridiculousness to that response. The UCP doesn't give a flying fudgesicle about cultural appropriation. They don't care about that stuff. The fact that anyone would use that as a reason to to bar you from running means they are far more concerned with pleasing and pandering to their own tiny base 
than they are with reaching beyond the base. I mean, sooner or later, there's got to be a point where parties realize that this gatekeeping, this uh, puritism they they expect from especially from women candidates, it's actually keeping more people out than it is inviting in. Does that sound familiar, Angela? Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, it, it totally does. Well, and that's what happened. And I said, look, like I've, I've been involved with Indigenous groups. I go, I learn from them. I dance with them. I had an incredible discussion with Cheryl Chagnon Grey Eyes and Chantelle um, Chagnon about, about my costume, about cultural appropriation. And they're like, Angela, you were not, you were not in ceremony. You were not wearing regalia. You were not, you were not drunk at a Halloween party wearing indigenous costume. You are a professional dancer on main stage at Mount Royal theater and at the Jubilee and performances all across Southern Alberta. You are a performance artist. And I would never step beyond that with the work that I do ever. And there was a word that you also used, or sorry, there was a phrase that you also used. It's not cultural appropriation, it's cultural appreciation. appreciation. It's like, I am learning. Do I know everything? Not a chance. I am humbly learning. And it was just astounding to me that something so important in my life, I have a theater degree, I'm a performance artist. They've wanted me to take down all my performance art, all, all my performance art pictures and have the professional photographers who took those pictures untag me from them so oh. that they would be removed from my social media. The second thing that came up from that was I, as a psychologist, it is my responsibility to be on the leading edge of new and upcoming treatments. So I am a national advocate for Theracil, which is for therapeutic use of psilocybin. I am a psychedelic trained therapist, Mm -hmm. and I am on the leading edge of bringing bringing this work, bringing this treatment in an ethical manner to Albertans and Canadians. And they said to me, and actually this was not, um, they just asked me about it at the interview, but a month later they sent me, they sent me an email saying why I was declined and why I cannot run for the NDP. So they said, the other factor that led to your application not being approved was your advocacy and use of psychedelic therapies in your practice. While there has been media about the use of these therapies, the approvals committee felt like the UCP would use this against our campaign since public opinion of the use of psychedelics is divisive. So they are going with public opinion rather than evidence-based science. Yes. Yeah. Internal screening. Internal screening. But I really want to drive that home. They are going with public opinion over evidence-based science. This is why when people howl about how it's only conservatives who deny science, I always say in response, really, let's talk about crystals. Let's talk about homeopathy. Let's talk about how anti-vax nonsense actually started on the left, not the right. It started on the left and then filtered over to the right and now it, it's across the spectrum. So while the left is busy howling about the science denying conservatives, they got enough of their own. They got enough hocus pocus <laughs> happening on that side of the aisle. And yet again, we can't talk about it. We can't address it because if we do, we're accused of both sidism. If we do, if we're honest about it and confront it, well, you're just making it easier for the conservatives. It's not about easier or harder. It's about science. It's about data. It's about facts. And it's about being honest. And all parties are so busy pandering to their minute little bases right now that they don't give a shit about truth anymore. Well, and here's the third reason in the email um, why I was declined. 
So during the pandemic, and I've been, I've been a media spokesperson for the Psychologist Association of Alberta for years. I, I speak about best practices. I've done Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Um, I spoke about, you know, clearly about the, the risks of this curriculum. I've spoken about healthcare workers during the pandemic. So it is my job to present best practices to whatever media outlet chooses to speak to me. So this was the third point in my um, decline email. The committee was also concerned about your video interview with the Western Standard on the impacts of COVID-19 lockdowns on mental health. While mental health was a serious concern in the pandemic, the Western Standard and the UCP will use this interview to damage our consistent positions on lockdowns and vaccine mandates during the pandemic. I did that interview using evidence-based best practices being compassionate for the different sides of the story that people are experiencing it, experiencing because I experienced them in my own life, with my own family, in my own home. And so I spoke to the challenges that everyone was experiencing. There was no lashback from that interview. In fact, people reached out that it was fair, that it was reasonable, that they appreciated my perspective on things. And yet here, the NDP is saying that the Western Standard, who I gave the interview to, will be using it against me. It it's so frustrating to me that I I struggle to form a co a coherent sentence. That how angering it is, especially uh, in in the era of Trump, in the yeah. era of. Uh, of the absolute garbage we've seen come out of the CPC in, in the era of Jordan Peterson, where we are bombarded on a daily basis with the worst human beings saying the worst possible things. We're going to cancel a, a possible candidate who has education, life experience, has been contributing over the course of many years. We're going to uh, decline any chance for you to join our team because you've dared to give an interview that might have changed some minds that might have made people who are are regular readers of the Western standard think twice. And that's what I do. I make people think twice. Like, I do. I, I stir things up. And I want to be clear that my purpose in saying this is not, is, is not to slam the NDP. Like, there's no, there's no, I'm not burning a bridge here. Like, you, you said it, Kathleen, like, it is really, it is both sides. And so basically, the NDP are preventing me from running, because the UCP might use things against me to derail their campaign. And yet at the very beginning, I have sought to be nothing but a nonpartisan ally for education. So the party I'm running for is actually the next seven generations of children for Alberta, because I firmly believe that this needs to be a nonpartisan curriculum. Yeah. And that is what my focus will be and continue to be no matter what party is in charge. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a very good point. That's part of what's put me into a nonpartisan uh, position as well, that I'm not I'm not out here fighting for a party or fighting for something for me. I'm fighting for my kid. Yeah, I'm fighting for their future. It's their world now. I'm 55 and I see my job in in the body politic, if you will, to encourage my kids to be involved and to help create the world they want to help form the future they need, because it's not about me anymore. Exactly. I'm, I'm glad they turned me down because now I truly can be nonpartisan mm -hmm. um, and continue to advocate for that. No, no matter what. So I get to use, I get to keep using my, using my expertise to advocate for public education, to for healthcare, whatever needs to be done to preserve our province for the next seven generations. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had to get partisan to do that, but my place is playing nicely in any sandbox where I'm invited. Yeah, 
And I know there's, you know, people who take severe issue with that. I've seen some of the commentary towards you that, you know, that you should be in DP or whatever. Um, and it's. Well, my response to those people is I tried. <laughs> right. <laughs> I tried. And there we they, go. Tried to make you happy. I tried. I tried. It didn't work. So now I'm just going to focus on what I, what I need to do, no matter what party is in charge. Oh, and there's, there's also too much having to throw a label on someone before we decide whether or not what they have to say is worth hearing. Yes. And I've found uh, time and time yep. again, uh, that's why people want you to express uh, alliance with a party. They want to hear that first before they hear what you have to say, right. because then they know if they should listen or they should just write you off. Yeah. That's that's exactly uh, the the environment we're living in now where everyone needs to label you yeah. to know whether or not they should hear you. Well, I'm and that's people... dangerous. That's okay. dangerous. When we have reached the point where uh Science and data and information has to be labeled as either conservative or liberal or socialist or whatever before we're going to decide whether or not we'll even pay attention to it. We're rightly screwed. We're rightly screwed because it means people uh, are so dug into only hearing what they want to hear. They they even now want it labeled so they can decide whether or not to bother hearing. And they want it labeled in two seconds or less so they don't yeah. have to dig for anything. Yeah. And try telling someone online these days that you don't, I don't identify as liberal. I don't identify as conservative. I don't identify as socialist. I identify as independent. Mm-hmm. I, adef- I identify as an independent thinker who can examine things without... Uh, having to label them first, nobody wants to hear that anymore. No. And then, and that's really unfortunate because that's where I am. You know, I will continue to work on, on education and I will continue to dance. So you can bet next spring, you're going to see me on stage (laughs) at the Jubilee. And I just might have feathers in my hair. I don't know. Dance like no one from the NDP is watching. You know, I have to admit that this was, you know, this was a little sting when very, when yesterday, yesterday, Rachel Notley's comms team tweeted out about supporting women dancing, women, women in politics dancing. And I was like, oh, we support women in politics dancing, but not you, Dr. Grace. Yeah. I was, when you were telling that story, I was like, I just saw a video yesterday of Rachel Notley and Janice Irwin. (sighs) dancing oh, mm-hmm. all over it was in solidarity all over the with Santa yes what the heck what the heck what the heck i mean that's great go do that but don't don't diss me for dancing on a main stage exactly. performance with a couple thousand people in the audience my bullshit meter is at maximum my bullshit me- <laughs> my bullshit meter is at spinal tap 11 okay spinal tap 11 Deirdre, you've yeah. also you've also talked about moving on from partisanship. You're kind of post-partisan at this point, are you not? Yes, I still I still have a I still have a sweet spot for the Alberta Party because because I because they couldn't say you have to be this progressive or this conservative to be here, right? There were, no, we never, there were no bars. We never forget our first love, dear Dre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm going to say they're actually becoming my new love. The they Alberta really party. Are. The Alberta party. They really, they really are. I've looked at some of their platforms and I'm, I'm looking at what they're looking, wanting to do behind the scenes. Oh, and this is, you know, playing nicely in all the sandboxes. I'm, they've reached out to me as well. Would you help us with education? And I'm like, absolutely. I'm so passionate about this. So I'm available and ready for I'm av- all parties. I'm available for all parties. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm not here for the party. I'm here for the children. And that's the that's way it, it should be. That's it. And I think too, like um, what I struggle with. So like I said, I'm still, I'm still partial, but I'm partial to them because, because I don't feel like they're in a box at least yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's been, I think back to 2015, 
16, 17, probably last week, uh, throughout that entire time, people have been saying, what does the Alberta Party stand for? They want that label, right? And for the longest time, I kept thinking, oh, that's a problem, right? We can't, you can't get that label. So like, yeah, that's a huge problem. And, you know, I just started to look at it. It's been rumbling around in my head probably since I was in Edmonton at that at that thing, Kathleen. Um, and I just started to think, you know, if people keep saying it's a weakness of the party that they're not able to label themselves appropriately. <laughs> I'm like, maybe it's not a weakness. Maybe, maybe that should be a strength in listening to all of this division. I've been overwhelmed twice in the last couple of days, just with the garbage, right? The like, there's just, there's so much. And, and I love this stuff, right? I love analyzing the narratives. I love picking apart. Why are they saying this? And why are they saying that? And who's the target? Like, I love this. It's a, it's a, an everyday, you know, word puzzle for me. And I, I enjoy it all the time. However, I have noticed that it just seems so like, it almost feels like there's no point that's almost where I where I've been in the last couple of days. And what I've done is I've just taken a break, right? Okay, I'm gonna go have a nap or I'm gonna go, you know, go for a walk or do something. But that's where I've been feeling. Is it even, you know, is it even worth fighting well, for it, not division? I will not fight with people on the internet because I especially I, won't fight with people with no name. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have, I just block them. You just get blocked. I just block them right on site. But with anyone else, uh, I won't argue. And if they try to push the issue, uh, I'll just mute them. Mm -hmm. It's we're not accomplishing anything engaging in that manner. We're far better off getting involved in our communities and talking to our neighbors. Yes. You know, exactly. we're far you know better what? off joining yep. local organizations and doing work there. We're far better off doing volunteer work and going to rallies and and organizing protests. And you don't have to be a socialist or a liberal to do that. But the arguing online, the bullshit that happens on a moment by moment basis online is making all of us sick. It is. It's infecting us. Mm -hmm. We are getting worse. We are worse to each other. And now we're making excuses for why it's okay to be shitty to each other. It's like if you dare to be a decent human being online now, you're going to get beat up for being a decent human being online Mm -hmm. because you're not fighting hard enough. Oh, I've been been beat up online. I've been beat up online for for not engaging in discussion with people. And I'm like, look, I'm here as well. Like I'm here about education voluntarily. And then, yeah. I get, and then I get the same people creating fake emails to email my personal email. Yeah. How much time do like, they have on their hands to I, do that? I have time but, for this, but for anyone, but especially for women who are active online, who mm-hmm. participate in, in political discussion online, I need you to know if you are not an elected official, if you are not a person in an elected position, you don't owe anybody shit. And do you know what? I'm so you excited don't owe about anybody that. Shit. <laughs> so hit the mute button and walk away. Hit the block button and walk away. Yeah. You don't need to respond to every asshole online. And you shouldn't be because they want the amplification that you are giving them. That is their entire objective. You owe them sweet butt kiss. Mm -hmm. So move along and keep your sense of self intact. Keep your, your mental health intact and know when to say no. Know when to say, I don't owe you anything. Get out of my feed. And that is a, oh, that's a, that's a, it's a very freeing thought when, when you finally realize, and I know it happened, like I had a couple of conservatives that followed me and we had decent conversations, right? 
And I wasn't the typical lefty that, you know, we had actual conversations, but eventually they couldn't handle it. <laughs> eventually they could not handle me continuing to disagree with them. And like, I never sought them out. They would always come into something that I had said. And that, that's something that I have also evolved from, right, online. I see stuff I don't like all the time because I follow people mm-hmm. if they follow politics, yeah. right? Like pretty yes. much that's, I don't care who you're following because whatever, whatever your politics is, I'm going to learn something from it, even if it's the next new argument that I am going to absolutely trash. I need to know what it is. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to figure it out. Follow shaming is the stupidest behavior. Shaming people for who they follow. No, some of us just like to know it when it first happens. Yeah. And I like to, I like to see different things. Yes. And I just, and I don't comment, right? Like I do not go out of my, cause like I said, I, I follow pretty much anyone. Um, the only ones that I've unfollowed are like serious anti-vax science denier. Like I just, I, I can't handle it in my feed. So those ones I I've gotten rid of, but I mean, your politics are different. You're a PPC follower. <laughs> I've got a couple. And again, like I said, I just, you know, I keep them there, but I don't comment on everything because it would just be a fight every time. Yeah. Right. So I just, I scroll on by but I've you're not it retweeting and it. I understand it. Exactly. Like I just, <laughs> I see you're not it. Amplifying I know what's happening. It. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I accidentally amplified the Alberta prosperity project the other day and I didn't mean to, like, it was just, they made some comment about the, about the, about the leadership or about the, about the leadership debate that they're having and independence. And I was like, excuse me, is, is that actually on the table with, with a candidate? And that's what I had, that's what I had amplified. And then, yeah, I saw the people coming in and I was like, oops, <laughs> that was not I, what I meant to do, but I was just, I, I was curious. Did that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was just sort of, I, I just, I, I wanted to know. And if, if there was a candidate that was, you know, offering this, that's important, right? That is newsworthy. So as I said, completely accidental, uh, but it went on for for quite a while, and that could have been one of the overwhelming days because just seeing it over and over, and I'm like, ew, <laughs> why did I do that? Um, but you know, like being political without being partisan, um, you know, I'm almost at first like I felt like I had to be partisan as well, right? If I'm going to be involved in politics, I've got to pick a side. I've got to do this because there's this expectation that if you're going to weigh in, that you are coming from one side. That's also been something that, that I've had to spend some time on, I guess, is figuring out like, what, what am I doing here? Am I, am I coming at this from a progressive background? Well, no, because I'm not progressive enough. Am I coming at it from conservative? Well, again, not conservative enough. So, you know, so what am I doing? And Basically, it always comes down to practical logic in my philosophy classes and me just going, this doesn't make sense. For me, it's much simpler. I'm a bitch and nobody gets to label me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be on Team Kathleen. I'd like to say I I put as much thought into it as as Deirdre, but no, I'm just a bitch. And if you come at me and try to slap your bumper stick on me, I'm going to slap you down. Yeah. Well, I tried. I tried really hard to be partisan for a bit. I I tried. I thought it was important. And yeah, then I just figured out that I I just, I can't be. I'm just. I I don't need a club to tell me what I think. I don't need a club to tell me what my morals or ethics are. And I don't need other club members telling me what I can and cannot say, what I can and cannot be. And that happens in every party. Yeah. All of them. There, there may be more freedom, no, but they're still doing yeah, it. There's no room for independent thought, even within the the construct of party politics. Well, and that's, and I mean, let's go over for a second to the UCP leadership race, right? You have Lele here who is being like just trashed. 
by conservatives. She's in the wrong party. She's too progressive. How is she even here? You have progressives attacking Lula here saying how well, you're in the wrong party. Why are you even there? You shouldn't yeah. even be running for them. Like you shouldn't well, even be in MLA for them. Well, they tell her that she's irrelevant. Uh, in, the, <laughs> in the interest of full transparency, my friend is the campaign campaign chair for Lila here. So I do have some specific feels about uh, what my friend's been dealing with, especially over the the last couple of days. That having been said, I have no horse in this race. I am not backing any candidate. I am not a UCP member. I am not voting in the membership, uh, the the leadership race. I have not backed any campaign, any candidate in this race once online. I have nothing to say about who anyone should vote for, and I never will. But watching what Ahir has faced online over, especially over the last 48 to 72 hours, mm-hmm progressives are shitting on her conservatives are shitting on her some centrists are shitting on her and if Leela here is as irrelevant as everyone says she is why is she your focus if she if she is that irrelevant why are progressives piling on every tweet and it is every tweet she stands against racism and white supremacy and the the progressives can't attack her for that stand. So instead they accuse her of only standing against it because she's running for the leadership. She's a Brown woman. I yeah. think she's been standing against racism her entire life because she hasn't had a choice. Well, and if we, with Leela, if we go you know, back to my story about nonpartisan curriculum. One of the things I did was I wrote an open letter on my blog for all Albertans to read. And I sent a parallel letter to every single MLA, regardless of party status. And the truth is, Leela was the only one who responded to me for a conversation. She was the only <laughs> one. This doesn't that surprise possible. me. This, this doesn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. And yet, she I cares. if you had been uh, more public about that, I'm not saying you shouldn't have, but mm-hmm. if you had been public about, I'm sending it to every MLA. Let's see who responds. Let's see who's really well, interested. I, mean, I admit that then was before I was on Twitter. Uh, no, but I, I'm just saying that's what it takes now. Yeah. that Too many don't give a shit unless mm-hmm. they're worried that other people are going to call them out. And that's, I mean, you've faced that just recently with being uh, denied as a candidate for the NDP. They're, they would be fine to have you work behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, but the the person they want to put up as a candidate has to be pristine. Yeah. It must be perfect. And I don't know where, I don't know where any party is going to find that woman. No, and no one's asking any party to lower the bar for us. I don't need anyone to lower the bar for me. No. I need them to accept that I am a thinking human being who has a a lifetime of experience and not everything I've done has been great. That doesn't mean that I can't do the job. Exactly. Well, and this is, so this is something else that that I've had a conversation about recently as well. And it is, it's how, uh, how parties, again, they're looking for number one is a a purity, but they're also, they are, um, and and I almost want to say obsessively aware of what they're being called out as for their weaknesses, right? So one of the things that had come up was, um, so the UCP, they don't want any new people who are overly, let's say, uh, vocal about anti-immigrants, you know, uh, kind of thing. They would they would remove people like that because they are already looked at as being a party that may be sits too far in that circle. Right. And the NDP. <laughs> Just a bit inside. <laughs> and the NDP. They are 
in some cases, moving away from their traditional base because when they have people who used to be or like uh, like pipeline protesters and things like that, that's traditional NDP base. Yeah. But they have to they have to say in Alberta anyway, they have to say you can't run for us because that just feeds into the UCP's narrative. That the NDP is anti-oil. So um, like, like I understand why they're so concerned about what the other party thinks. But I also think that at some point you've got to stand up and say, this is who this person is. And we don't really care that, that, you know, 10 years ago, they were involved in this because we need this person on our bench. We need this person to hopefully become education minister. That's what we want for this person. That's mm-hmm. what, that's who we need. Right. And if the candidate can draw in voters, that's all that should matter. Yeah. Why are, why and specifically in the case of the NDP, why is the NDP allowing the United Conservative Party of Alberta to dictate who their candidates are? Because that's what they're doing. And the people that the NDP are worried about uh, attacking the, that the attacks will come from are never going to vote NDP anyways. Yeah. And they, so and they why, wouldn't even make those attacks. No. Because that's so, not the way they think. <laughs> why choose candidates based on what the people who aren't ever going to vote for your party think of those candidates? It's just senseless. I just wonder how many other good solid Albertans are being prevented from running out of fear of what the opposing party might target them for. Yeah. That and what their base will target us for. Yep. I, you know, I, I would never run. I thought about it yeah, seriously I don't think I can either. about uh, 10 years ago. I even put together a team I was going to run for uh, a seat on the municipal council. Now I'd, I'd never do it. I think it's too much of a risk to my child. It's too much of a risk to, well, my husband's career. It's too much of a risk to my own personal safety. And frankly, I don't like people enough anymore to give a shit about serving them in public office. I really don't. I'd rather focus on fighting for those who need me to fight for them, on working for those who need their stories amplified and need their voices heard. But to do it from a, a place of elected office, it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, there's no there's not enough freedom. Well and I don't I'm think with you, you there on that, Kathleen. And I don't think you can affect change within the party system. I Because I think, it's a party. Exactly. exactly. I think a lot of a lot of uh, newly elected MLAs are fired up and they think they're gonna make a real difference. And I'm sorry to tell you you're not. Well, because... Kathy, that was my naivety in this. I thought, oh, I can make a difference. I can get in there. I can help make. Pop-. No, because that's what we're told. No, we're that's told. what we're told. If you want to make a difference, here's one way that you can do yeah. it. You can yeah. run for office. You can help craft policy, help make the laws. Yeah. The they grassroots rhetoric. Yeah. The they don't tell you you're not going to be allowed to do it if the party doesn't want you to. That's right. Exactly. So I'll just keep doing what I'm doing on the outside in a true grassroots manner like I started. But there comes a point when I don't care if it's if it's Leela here, Rachel Gilmore, Leslin Lewis, uh, Rajan Sani. I, I don't care who it is. If we aren't standing together and saying this is unacceptable. We're making it okay for it to happen to Rachel Notley. Right. Or to happen to Shannon Phillips. Like. Yeah. And just because it has happened to Rachel Notley and Shannon Phillips doesn't mean more women should have to experience it. Like what why do we do this? Why do we do this with women? We would never rationalize racism. We don't rationalize homophobia because we know the harm it causes to rationalize it at all. But when it comes to women, we hedge our bets. When it comes to women, we make excuses for the attacks. We decide who does and who doesn't deserve to be attacked. No women, no woman 
deserves to be attacked. I don't care what her politics are. Mm-hmm.